Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. At the road to the cross, we're going to be looking at Barabbas this morning, and we're going to look at our relationship in all of this and how we are part of this story here. Now, as we set the scene, we see that there's Pilate, we see that there's many others that are there. Now, where are they? Now, they're in the Hall of Judgment. It means, in Latin, praetorium. It's described as the general's tent. So, in the Roman provinces, it was for the official residence of the Roman governor, as here. And it's applied to any spacious villa or palace. So, what you had to do as you had to stand there in judgment. This was the place where decisions were made. This is where uh, the final decisions were rendered. This was the place where the Roman governor or the Roman in authority would do that. Now, this was also, it said, early. If you look in this passage, it says early. Some of y'all have different definitions of early. When I say early, what does early mean to you? Some of you, it means what? It means 6 o'clock. Some of you, it means 4 o'clock. Some of you, it means 8 o'clock. Some of you... It means later in the day. Early means something different to all of you. But in this passage, it's used technically the fourth watch, which is 3 to 6 a.m. So these guys, these religious leaders, have brought to trial Jesus Christ in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness to a, to a Roman leader to try and get him condemned. So they came. At night, to condemn him to death, which was technically illegal. But the sentence of condemnation could not be legally pronounced until the day of the trial. If the night proceedings were there, it was a formal trial. It was no validity. So it was illegal, but they came in. So what was going on with these high priests? You begin to look at the story in John 18, and you say, what was going on with the high priest? Okay. The high priest rejected Jesus', Jesus claim as being the Messiah and those that were around him that said he is the Son of God. Regardless of the things which Jesus accomplished, which he did, there was a rejection by those that were in a religious authority in the land. They brought in this, I guess, rejection, but also they were the ones who said what was going on at the time. It was a corrupt kind of thing. So, Annas and Caiaphas were partners in the temple trade and hated Jesus for twice cleansing the temple and all of this. So much of this all went on that he might be defiled, that he might be put to death. And see, what, what we learned this morning is that he was innocent, right? Jesus was innocent. All Jesus tried to do was tell the truth about God. All he tried to do was heal others and help them understand who Christ really is. They that were in religious authority took that as a threat to their leadership, to their authority. And they didn't believe Jesus was going to come as someone 
who was there for a world that was not theirs, a kingship that was not of that world. They believed that Jesus would be a military leader that would come and overthrow the Romans, would overthrow so many different things, would be sort of an earthly ruler. Well, if you and I know that if Jesus was merely just an earthly ruler, we'd be in seriously bad shape when it came to our souls, wouldn't it? If Jesus was just merely a man, we would be in trouble. But because he was both man and divine, he could identify with our hurts and our hardships, our difficulties and our sorrows. Jesus cried when those around him were hurting or when he lost a loved one. Jesus looked at you and I and clearly believed what he says, that my kingdom is not of this world, that it had been established since the very beginning. And we learn within John 18 that their men reject him for different reasons, right? They reject him for different reasons. In this, it's Judas rejected Christ because he listened to the devil. Pilate listened to the world. Herod obeyed the flesh. So there were so many things going on here. But I want us to understand that rejection of Christ means judgment. But faith means eternal life. And every person has to make that decision. So if you have your Bible and you want to join us in here, we're going to be in not chapter 18, I think, but but maybe it is. I think it's chapter 15. But um, I've been known to be wrong several times over. John 18, I am right, John 18. I told you I was right. So uh, John 18, starting at verse 28. All right. Apparently my own notes don't work out right. So let me get back to where I was. All right. So it talks about in this passage, it says in chapter 20, I mean in verse 28 of chapter 18. It says, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early, and they led themselves and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that it would not be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to, to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Now you see this as it goes on and on. That if if we really just back up into this passage. Uh, we see that they usually release people. They usually have a release of a prisoner. They have a release of that person. So we see that this is going to happen as they have a custom of doing so, of releasing one person. But they know that, that Jesus is a part of what they call the problem. And so they go along with it and they answer him in all of this, saying, crucify him. But Pilate said this in verse 29 out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, If this man were an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. They said, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. So what we see over and over in this passage is this is we see that they were bringing, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders had gathered a crowd, had angered a crowd, were bringing them to Pilate to be condemned because they, within their own holiness and the time of Passover and all of those things, they could not condemn him to death. 
within the Jewish leadership and the Jewish law, they could not condemn him to death. So in this passage here, specifically when he's from Caiaphas to Pilate, we see the magnitude of this. We see the condemnation that they're asking for. And I believe this, and I know that you believe this too, church, that where we are deserving to be condemned, Jesus stood in our place. And see, that's, the, that's kind of the message of what we're looking at at Easter. Jesus took our place. Jesus stood in judgment in our place. Jesus stood where we deserve to stand. And Jesus was there in front of Pilate. And Jesus was having to go on trial for what others believed he was. But Jesus stood in stark contrast to the rest of the world. And we know the religious leaders did not have the ability to send him to die. And Pilate said this, you take him yourself, you put him to death yourself, We are not permitted to put anyone to death, he said. Now, Jesus said this before then. What did Jesus say? That he would have to die. He told his disciples that he would have to die. That he would have to be put to death. That he would be the one who would give himself as a sacrifice, as a drink offering for the world. He told his disciples over and over again that he was going to go to a place that he was going to be that sacrifice, that he was going to die. And his disciples heard it over and again, but they believed that the Messiah would come and would reign forevermore on earth. Where they short-sighted saw everything, they didn't fully understand Jesus' words. And so when the Jews were coming to, to ask for death, it leads us to answer the question, who was really in control? Was Was Pilate in control? No. Were those Jewish leaders in control? No. They thought they were, right? They thought they got the best of Jesus. But Jesus said, I came to die so that men might be set free. So even at this moment we're reading about here, Jesus was fulfilling the words that God had promised since the beginning. When sin entered the world, he said, I will send a redeemer one day. I will send someone to stand in sin's place to be the offering that needed to be made once and for all so that the spotless lamb could stand in the way of sin and so that all mankind could be forgiven and know what it means to stand in that right standing with God. So the Jewish leaders did all of this in the middle of the night, did all this under the guise of this darkness and everything else. But we're beginning to see all these things. If you look further into verse 32, it says, To fulfill the word of Jesus which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Jesus was going to die the most horrific, hard death that was put on anybody in that time that committed the worst of offense. Jesus was going to be condemned to a cross. Now, the Romans put crosses on the side of the road to deter people from going against them. 
So my mind, I can only imagine laden around the area were crosses that would have shown anybody who chose to come just how horrible but strong and mighty the Roman leaders are. So what they chose to do during this time is to bring them to Pilate. So Pilate asks him a significant question. Pilate's asking from an earthly standpoint because Pilate was not a believer in Christ. So he's not asking, you know, are you the son of God? He's saying, are the accusations that they're bringing against you, are they true? I want you to tell me. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Really what he's saying, are you, Jesus, guilty of the accusations being brought against you? Verse 33 says this. said, therefore Pilate entered into, again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? And Pilate came and said, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Now, Now, Jesus could have remained quiet. But Pilate, being right then and there, asked him, Are you a king, an earthly king? Are you who they say you are? Because we know these several religious leaders had gathered a mob of people, right? People who were formerly those who would follow Jesus. If Jesus went over here, they would go with Jesus over here. If Jesus went over there, they would go with him. But these were also people that every time Jesus spoke, the religious leaders would say, hey, Jesus. And they asked a question, right? Hey, Jesus, what about this? And they tried to trip up Jesus at every turn. And they tried to do everything they could to deal with his authority in such a way that nobody would listen to him. They tried everything they could, and so they worked within Jesus' people and had Judas come and betray him in that way. So they had done all of these things kind of underhandedly because they realized that while they didn't acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, they realized there was something to Jesus. And so it, it affected their, their own religious I guess, leadership in that respect. But Jesus responds to Pilate's question, but also in responding to Pilate's question, Jesus is also responding to the accusation of the people. So there's two things going on in that respect. So Jesus answered him in verse 36. said, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who who is of the truth hears my voice. So it leads Pilate further into this conversation. And Pilate begins to ask the question, okay, Jesus of Nazareth. King of the Jews, what is the truth? And you know, I find that something that everybody looks for right here and now. What's the truth? Who can set us free? Is Jesus everything he says he is, claims to be? 
or all the disciples that are going with him, what do they say of him? Well, we see the disciples that followed him. What did they do? Some of them scattered and ran, didn't they? Some of them said, we don't know him. I'm not with him. So he says, what is truth? Truth is something which is in accordance with fact or reality. Verse 38. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. Verse 39. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. You know that Barabbas deserved to be condemned. Barabbas deserved to be in jail. Barabbas was not a good fellow. He did a lot of bad things. He led people to stand against the Christ. All of the kind of things that deserved him to stand where he was in judgment. In your mind, you're saying, well, we're separated from this time period by thousands of years. And you say, guess what? I would have let Jesus go, but would you have? The people got together and caused all kind of chaos. But in this moment where truth was brought about, Barabbas was set free. How can that happen? That someone who was so sinful, deserving, and crime-ridden, and all that he did, he deserved to be in shackles for the rest of his days, or condemned in that way, Barabbas. How was it that Jesus was now standing condemned? And how does Jesus stay in that way, the sacrificial lamb, for mankind to have freedom undeserved. How does he do that? Well, I want you to travel with me as we look at how this happens. As all these questions come into play. John 1.14 says this. And this is very important for us to understand even today. John 1.14 says this. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became fleshed. In other words, Jesus came. A fulfillment of everything that the Bible was talking about. The Redeemer, God with us, Emmanuel, dwelt among us. The Word became flesh. Jesus was here. From the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace has a lot to do with our story if we know who Jesus is. Amen? For you and I would never know the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior without grace and mercy and truth. Truth, isn't that something that Pilate was asking? Isn't that something what people are asking? Isn't that something that you and I are asking? What is the truth? John 10, 16 says this, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. That means not just the Jewish people, but everybody can come within the fold of God. 
That means each and every one of us stand a chance. That we're not just condemned to our sin without hope. That we're not one who is going to have to carry the burdens of our sin forever and ever. Jesus did that. He stood in a place where he did not deserve to be condemned for the sin of mankind. He stood where others were led free. John 3, 3 said this, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? How can someone be born more than one time? That means that if you are willing to acknowledge that Jesus came, was born, died on your behalf, took your sin and my sin to that cross, that He rose from the grave and lives forevermore. If we understand that and we believe that with all of our heart, we acknowledge that sin which is in our life and we understand that Jesus has saved and redeemed our soul, bringing hope to a hopeless matter, then we have the truth within us. We are born again. In other words, the sin that was us, that was our name, is no longer there. How many of you know what it's like to get new clothes? And it just feels good, right? The tattered old clothes that we have, you get new clothes and are brand new. In Christ, the old Jew is no longer there, the tattered and torn and just sin-ridden. You are born again and new in Him. It says, you cannot see the kingdom of God until you are born again. John 1, 7 says this, He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through Him. Do you know that all of us have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ? If we're willing to acknowledge our sin and believe in Him which died for us. Every single one of us has a chance, a hope. And I know we live in a world where there's a lot of people that don't give us more than one chance, right? But Jesus says time and again, I love you. He says time and again, I died for you. He says, time and again, you're worthy to be here because of Jesus Christ. He says, time and again, you're going to make it. Time and again, I can save you. In other words, over and over again, he tells you the truth. John 8, 32 says this, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. How many of you are tired of carrying the burdens of your sin around and it just keeps weighing and weighing and weighing and weighing down on your soul. See, I believe a lot of times when Jesus encountered those that were sick, ailing, ill, dead, whatever it was, that Jesus saw the soul and healed the soul before the physical ailments ever got healed. And some of us think, well, if if Jesus is who He says He is, then why am I not healed of all my physical ailments? Why am I not healed in that sense? Because Jesus is worried more about your heart and your eternity than anything else. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says that you will go in this life and have nothing hard to deal with or difficulties won't come. But when they do come... You will have a hope that this world cannot extinguish. Because if the, true, the truth makes you free, if Jesus makes you free, then you are free. 
regardless of what comes your way, regardless of what illness comes, regardless of who stands against you as believers, you will end in triumph because He has made you free. Romans 6.20 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you deriving from the things in which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. Verse 23 is important for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Y'all... It's a free gift to us, but it was a costly gift. You know, I don't have to tell you of all the gruesomeness of what it meant for Jesus to be beaten and scourged for my sin and yours. For Him to be so bloodied and so weak and yet have to bear a cross. He carried that cross up that mountain. It was nailed in His hands in his feet he stood before all of us gave his life for us stood in places like Barabbas's place where he deserved where we deserve to make you and I free in him see I believe this morning we need to understand that Jesus stands sacrificially in our places where where we deserve that condemnation He didn't deserve a moment of it. I hope in my mind and heart today that gives you hope for your weary heart today. That there's more to this life than what you have done and the sin in your life. There's more to come. There's more hope than just making it through today and the next day and the next day and the next day. You and I who know Jesus have hope that does not end. Whereas the world looks at circumstances and situations, illnesses and hardships, you and I look with our heart to the hope of eternity that comes when Jesus says, I will be coming again one day and I will take you who believe in me, those who are dead, and I will take you where I've prepared for you. Do you believe this morning Jesus has prepared a place for each of us who believe in him? That one day soon he'll say, y'all, let's go. We have to deal with judgment, yes. But he's prepared a place for me and you. There will be one day where he will come and he will judge mankind. But also I know this morning, not only does he stand sacrificially in our place where we deserve that condemnation, but we each have to answer the question of who do we say that Jesus is? Now, when I ask you the question of who do you say Jesus is, I'm not talking about give me the Sunday school answer up here. Because a lot of people know about Jesus. But there's a difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior, isn't it? There's a difference when your heart speaks hope and truth and love and mercy and grace because you've been given so much of that in your life there's a difference in your heart and lives when you say Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life Jesus wasn't just a man who came that did a lot of great and good things even those of Jewish descent believe that 
But is He Lord and Savior of your life? Is He King of your heart? Are you one who believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? That there's no one to the Father except through Jesus Christ? See, the truth of Jesus' kingship is this. And we see it throughout our culture even today. How many people are seeking the truth in all the wrong places in this life? They're seeking truth in friendships and relationships. They're, singing, they're, they're looking for truth in alcohol or drugs. They're looking for truth in so many different ways. And they're looking for the world to tell them what this truth is. And y'all in a world where we're believing that there are so many different truths out there, we want to know and stand with Jesus who says there's but one truth. And Jesus died for you that you might be made whole in Him. The truth is Jesus stands with an absolute truth and it never changes, y'all. There's so many people that say, well, what about this? What about this? Jesus says something to each and everything that we can bring in each and every situation. So when you look for truth, look to Jesus. When you look to His Word, look for that truth and allow for Him to reveal that to you. See, I believe the only truth that we will ever find, which Pilate didn't get at the moment, which religious leaders didn't get at that moment, was in Jesus Christ. They didn't always get that Jesus could have always broke those chains and walked away. That Jesus could have went past the cross, that he could have done all of these things, but he chose to die for me and for you so that he might have us to be able to stand in right standing before the Father so that we would have hope eternal. I love this great illustration as I was looking through this. And many different people have tried to, to say, well, how do you think Jesus looked? How many of you could tell me how Jesus looked? this morning. Well, this young kid was asked of this. A minister filling in for a teacher of young boys class asked this. What do you think Jesus was like? Doubtless the pastor expected an answer like he was a good man, he was a poet, he was a carpenter, he was like God, but no. One little fellow raised his hand and replied, "I think Jesus was like my Sunday school teacher." Has every has anyone ever compared your demeanor and deeds to those of Jesus? You know, for many people, we think about the things which we do, whether they're in Sunday school or discipleship, whether they're in a, a small group or VBS or things like that, and we don't really understand the magnitude of what we represent. But I believe that the shackles of sin are broken and we're given freedom unimaginable when we understand that Jesus intercedes for us. Romans 8.35 says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as it is written, we have been put to death all day long. We are being considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But all, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Verse 38 is something that you can hold on to. For I am convinced... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that your understanding of Jesus this morning? 
Is that your understanding? It's Jesus stood in your place. That if you're willing to acknowledge Him, He's willing to save you. If you're willing to be saved, He's willing to do something in your life you never ever thought of. And give you a hope beyond what you see, feel, and understand. But when you are a child of God, nothing separates you from His hand. Do you know that? That He loves you. And when you become part of His family, when you are born again, that you're part of His family forever and ever. You know, I think about old movies sometimes. The Sandlot. And you'll remember this forever, right? It was forever, forever. That's what life is like with Jesus Christ. We get to be with Him for the remainder of our lives. And He's with us. That's the great comfort we experience as we go through the trials of this life. That not only are we His, but He is ours. And what a great day it is that you and I can acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. That we can be redeemed even today. That we can be forgiven for the sin that shackles us in this life. That we don't just have to be a conglomerate of all which we've done wrong. Jesus came to set us free. And when Jesus does that, when He sets me and you free, we're free. It's not a free, let's bring up the old again. It's free. He forgives, forgets, and gives us a brand new start. And I know that so many of us could love to have that brand new start in Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And it's my hope this morning that you know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you don't, I'm going to give you a chance to do so this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, well, I know Jesus. But I'm reminded today that He stood in my place. So I need to be humbled in the sense of, I just need to thank the Lord for all that He's done. I need to praise Him for all He's done. Because I realize, and I recognize without Him, I couldn't do a single thing. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity. And we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.